We've talked for the last couple of weeks uh, specifically about the children of Israel in that first generation that God rescued out of Egyptian bondage. And what a picture their lives were of what Jesus is rescuing us from. The Bible says these things about them were written and told to us as examples. These are all types, if you will, shadows of our lives. And you think about what you know about them in, in Egyptian bondage. And the scriptures that we have from the book of Exodus talk about the burden. Talk about the, the bricks that they had to make and the, the workload that they had to carry. And it was breaking them. It was breaking them on the inside. It was breaking them down physically. And they cried out for help to God. He heard them and he sent a deliverer. He sent a rescuer by the name of Moses in there to let my people go. And to not just bring them out of the labor and out of the toil, but bring them in to a promised land. To a land that flows, he said, with milk and with honey. And when you look at this from the New Testament perspective, the book of Hebrews talks about this promised land, but God refers to it as my rest. His rest was a place. His rest was a place. He called it my rest. But if you know anything about their journey out of Egypt into the wilderness, see, Egypt was living in the land of not enough. God delivered them out of that, brought them into the wilderness. We won't take time to look at the whole thing, but it's clear to see in the wilderness, it was the land of just enough. God made provision for them every single day. There was something to eat every day, but there was instruction. Don't gather more. Don't gather less. Just gather what you need. So that's a step up, right? Out of not enough into just enough, but that's not where God wanted to leave his people. And it's not where God wants to leave you. It's not where God wants to leave me. He's brought them just like he's brought us out of the land of not enough into a land of just enough with the intent, come on church, of taking us into the land of what? More than enough. A land that flows with milk and honey. Now I want to talk just for a second about what that actually means because I grew up here in these scriptures and I got to be honest, every time I heard a land that flows with milk and honey, all I could think about was people wading around in milk up to their ankles and everything they touched was sticky because there's just honey everywhere. And though there were those natural things present, what it actually represents is a fertile land. A land that will produce the seed that you sow in it, a prosperous land. I'll tell you more about it here in just a second. But in Exodus chapter 33, you see these people have come out. But instead of going into the land that God promised them, they complain all the time. They, they grumble. They're stubborn. They do the very opposite of what he's told them to do. And then when he says, don't do something, they end up doing that thing. And here in Exodus chapter 33, God's had enough. He says in verse one to Moses, Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here. Check this out. You and the people you brought out of the land of Egypt. God's like, you did that. I had nothing to do with that. You, you and the people you brought out of the land of Egypt to the land, which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying to your descendants, I will, I will give it. But notice verse two. He said, I will send my angel before you. I'll drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and, or the Hivite and the Jebusite. Verse three, go up 
to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I'm not going with you. I will not go up in your midst lest I consume you on the way for you are a stiff-necked people. God's saying, listen, I'll send an angel. Y'all go take the land. I told you I'd give it to you. I will give it to you. The, The angel will go before you. He'll drive out all the inhabitants. It's yours. It flows with milk and honey. I ain't going. Why? If I go with y'all, this is the text inversion. If I go with y'all, I'm likely to kill every last one of you. I can't take any more complaining. I can't take any more grumbling. You hard-hearted, stiff-necked, stubborn bunch of people. I think this is a pretty good indicator. God doesn't like hanging out with grumbly people. Do you? I don't. I mean, do you enjoy people who always find something to complain about? No. You don't like hanging out with that. Newsflash, revelation. God doesn't either. He don't want to hang out with these people for another second. He said, I'm not going with you. I'm not going with you where? To that land I told you about. The one that flows with milk and honey. Now, let me tell you something else about this land. This is cool. And what really it means to flow with milk and honey and the abundance of the provision that's there. Don't turn here, but listen to it. Deuteronomy chapter six, the Bible says in verse 10, it says, so it will be when the Lord your God brings you into the land, which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you, listen, large and beautiful cities, which you didn't build. That sounds like rest. Houses full of all good things, which you didn't fill. That sounds like rest. He said, hewn out wells, which you did not dig. Man, digging out a well, that's hard work, isn't it? Not that I've ever done it, but I can imagine. That's hard, sweaty work, digging out a well. And the Lord says, look, no, you're moving in. It's a big, beautiful city. Here's a house. It's already built, filled with good stuff. There's wells that you didn't dig, vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. When you didn't plant it, that means they're already producing. You're not going into a place and taking the time to plant and, 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 and nurture the seed and develop it and hope it grows and the weather's good and the water's right. No, no, no. Uh, it's already producing. What's that sound like to you? Rest. Rest. No wonder he called this land my rest. Vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. So when it says flowing with milk and honey, that's what he's talking about. This big, beautiful city. These houses that are already built and filled up with good stuff. You've already got trees and vineyards that are producing. You've got wells that are dug. This is moving made easy. But notice what he said to him. Y'all can go have all that. I'm not going. He said, you're stiff-necked. If I go with you, I'm probably going to kill you. (laughs) At least he's honest. Skip down into the next few verses. Moses goes to meet with God and the the pillar of cloud descended and stood there and they're meeting in the, the, the tabernacle. And it says in verse 11, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face like a man speaks to his friend. 
Now, we know from just a few verses later, Moses didn't see the face of God. This is a reference to the way they're talking to each other. No pretense, no put on, no falseness, no fakeness, pure honesty. And I think God's being honest with his friend. I do not like these people. I'm not going with you. But Moses spoke honestly back with him. In verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, look, you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know who you'll send with me. Yet, now pay, pay attention, church. Yet you've said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Moses is getting kind of brave here with God. He's saying to him, this doesn't make sense. You know me. I know you. And you told me I found grace. And yet you're not going with me? Something's not right. Something's not stacking up. This, this doesn't make sense. This is some boldness to say this to God. He said in verse 13, now therefore I pray. This is Moses. If I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you. What did Jesus say? Nobody knows the Father. But there's a cry coming out of the heart of Moses. And allow me to paraphrase here, but I believe what he's saying is, I'm done looking at you through a cloud. I want to know you. And I know we're reading about an Old Testament guy here, but should this not still be the heart cry of every child of God? I just want to know you. I don't want to look at you through a cloud or a veil of tradition. I don't want to look at you through the, through the cloud of, of men's opinion of who you are. I want to know you. I want to know your way is what he said. What's he say? I want, I want to know how you do things. I want to know why you do things. I want to know what makes you you. What makes you do things the way you do them. And, and I, I want to know you. I want to know you. So God responds to him. Well, back up again. Look at verse 13. I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, that I may find grace or continue to find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And God said to him in verse 14, listen to how he responded to that. Verse 14, my presence will go with you. But listen, what's connected to it? And I will give you rest. My presence. He talked God, number one, out of killing these people. Number two, out of abandoning them and leaving them to go. Moses talked God out of all that. He taught God into going with them. He taught God into making the trip with them. But did you see what he connected it to? Grace. You said I found grace. You said you know me. 
I found grace in your sight. It's in the way you see me. Don't send me with somebody else. You come. We want you. We want you. And God, evidently, it touched his heart because he said, oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. I'll go. My presence will go with you, but did you hear what he connected it to? And I will give you rest. And I love what Moses said to him after that. He said to him, verse 15, good, because if your presence does not go with us, don't even bother bringing us up from here. We told you we were on that long drive yesterday. And I don't know, eight or 10 hours into it, I'm driving meditating on some of these things, praying in the spirit. And I saw something in this I'd never seen before. That's what tells me this word is alive. God told him, I'll still give you the land. You can still have all the stuff. You can have the houses. You can have these, this big, beautiful city. It's already built. You can have the city. You can have the house. You can have the stuff in the house. You can have the wells that are already dug and producing water. You can, already, you can have the trees that are already producing fruit. You can have the vineyards that are already producing grapes. You can have all of it. I'll still give you the stuff. A lot of people would look at that and go, well, that's prosperity. Having all that stuff, man, man, what a blessing. I've been guilty of this. Imagine many of us have to look at living in this prosperous city, living in this, this beautiful home, living in this place where it's already producing. Oh, wow, that's the blessing. That's prosperity. But I want you to notice something. God told Moses, you can have all of it. I'm not withholding any of the stuff from you. I'm just not going. And I want you to notice what Moses said. If you're not going, we're not going. If your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us up from here. Can you stop and think for a minute about what he actually just said to God? He actually said to God, I'd rather be in the wilderness than to live in some big, beautiful house that you're not in. I hope you're awake right now. Listen to me. That's prosperity. That's prosperity. Let me give you just a a, a personal perspective here. I do not like the term prosperity gospel. I don't like it. I don't like it for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't believe the word gospel needs any other word attached to it. I don't think it needs some other qualifier. I don't think it needs some other quantifier. The gospel is just fine on its own. Number two, I don't like that term because for the best that I can tell, it's something that some critic made up and labeled a group of people with labeled a preacher with 
and a critic who most likely never actually listened to one thing that man or woman had to say. Be careful about seeing yourself through the eyes of your critics. The more you meditate on their words about you, the more you begin to see yourself through that lens. What did Moses say? I found grace in your sight. This is the only place you find grace, church, is not in how other people see you. Grace is found in knowing how your father sees you. It's the only place it's found. Therefore, it's the only place you should be looking and the only place you should care about who sees you how. But one of the things that critics of the message have said, and even people who have heard the message have come to believe, it's that prosperity is the stuff. That you look at something good. Man, I think about it. I think about this house that the Lord put us in when Sarah and I moved up here. Man, he put us in a beautiful spot. Put us in a beautiful place. Bought it at the right time for a price. Just like if you own anything around here, you know it's gone up over the last little bit. And, and we step into that house and yeah, it needs a little work. But man, it's a great spot. It's got a great view. It's got some land. And you might look at that and go, man, what a blessing. No. The house is not the blessing. Because if God himself isn't in it, I don't care what the square footage is. I don't care what kind of view it's got. I don't care how many chandeliers you got hanging from the ceiling. I don't care about any of the stuff. I don't care about how fancy your car is parked in the garage. If God ain't riding with you, it's not prosperity. It's not prosperity. Do, do you see what's going on here? Moses said, if you ain't going, we ain't going. There was something that he could not get unless God went with him. And you got to be honest with yourself. What if God gave you that option? Yeah, I'll put you in a sweet place. I'll fill the bank account. I'll put you in a place that produces. You'll never lack for any good thing. It's a big, beautiful city. Big, beautiful houses already filled, ready for you to move in. Here's the only caveat. I'm not living in it with you. Sitting up in church, we're like, oh, I wouldn't do that. Be honest. Be honest. There's a lot of people that would have to think pretty hard. So you're saying, hang out in the wilderness, but you're here, or I live in a big, beautiful house that you're not in. Give me a minute. It's not prosperity. And what Moses realized was that there was something that he could not get with somebody else taking him in. There was something that, that wouldn't satisfy with an angel going out before him and clearing everybody out. He said, I'm not going if you're not going. This needs to be the way we're living life. We ain't going if he ain't going. Moses could get the, the, the and all the children of Israel could get the land, the house, the, the wells, the vineyards, all of it. But you know what would be missing if God wasn't with them in it? They'd be in all those things 
with no rest. Rest comes from his presence. The ability to enjoy something. You find out right away that the blessing is not the thing. The blessing is God in it with you. That's why prosperity cannot be measured in dollars. It cannot only be measured in in square footage. Something's big, something's grand. You can't measure it like that. You can live in some, you can live in 300 square feet. And if God's in it with you, you're rich. You are rich. Now that doesn't mean you got to stay there. What's he trying to get them to? He's trying to get them to the houses that are filled up, to the big, beautiful city, to the, to the wells that are dug, to the trees that are produced. He's trying to get them out of just enough to more than enough. But here's the catch. We ain't going, God, if you ain't going. And just that attitude and those words from the mouth of Moses so touched the heart of God that God said, okay, I'll go with you and I'll give you rest. Rest is prosperity. The ability to enjoy it. Knowing God's in it with you. And this is something we pray all the time in our house. Putting the kids to bed at night. We say, Lord, this is your place. We invite you to fill up every corner of this house. We invite you to make your presence known. We invite you to be manifested in this place. And there are people that want to fuss with that. Well, he's, he's in me. He's everywhere I go. Okay. Is he in manifestation everywhere the same? No. No. I'm talking about walking into a place and the peace of God being so rich and so thick in it that you just want to slide down in your chair And there's just not a lot to say. It's just so real. It's so tangible. And you sit in that place, whether it's 100 square feet or 10,000 square feet, and you think, God, you're here. And you're so good. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me here and making a way for me here. You did this. Church, there's some confidence that comes with you when you can look at where you're at in life and what you're in in life and you can say, the Lord did this. I said, the Lord did this. That's prosperity. So I'm challenging you. When the Lord does something good, it brings you something and he's, he's, we know he's more than willing and able to provide for us in every way, whether it's material, financial, physical, whatever it is, don't call that thing a blessing or the blessing. The blessing is that thing with God in it. The presence of the Lord is the blessing. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. 
You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.